your need for intentionality with simplicity see the Bible teaches us that we have to find a very personal and biblical simplicity in our lives and for most of us if I were to ask you to define your life simplicity would be the last thing that we'd say for most people life is filled with things to do boxes to check You run around like crazy, going from one thing to the next with barely a breath in between. But in those rare, quiet moments, you long for more than the never-ending daily rat race. Well, today, Pastor Daniel shares that your need for meaning and focus is met in simplicity. You'll discover that learning the art of living includes finding a very personal and biblical simplicity in your life. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 6 as he begins his message, The Need for Intentionality and Simplicity. When you think about living your life, a very popular word that you hear a lot today is the word to be intentional. The idea of intentionality. It's an important word because being intentional means to live your life with a very specific purpose. And whether you are conscious of it or not, whether you've thought about it, every single person lives their life with some sense of purpose. Sometimes we choose those senses of purpose, and other times, given the details of our lives, those purposeful decisions and lifestyles become imposed upon us. When I think of my own life, I think of a time when I was living with great purpose. I remember when I was in college in my native state of New Jersey, and I had been a really profound partier growing up. So I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and so I always say that I got a college degree in partying. And I remember what happened was, it was about the end of my freshman year of college and the beginning of my sophomore year, and I was learning very quickly that all the partying, no matter how much fun it seemed, it always left me feeling empty. And many people who've been down that road have had that same experience where what you find is that when you live what the Bible calls according to the flesh or in rebellion against God, it's pleasurable for a season, and then it leaves you feeling completely empty. And I remember I was just really kind of having that crisis of identity that comes to people in that kind of a situation. And I started thinking to myself, well, this isn't working, and I've been partying like a wannabe rock star for a long time, and so I need to do something else. And I remember sitting down and being like, well, what do I really like to do? And I remember said, oh, I really love music. I love playing music. I'd been playing in bands. I'd picked up a bass. And so I remember being like, okay, I'm going to be intentional and I'm going to focus and I'm going to become a good bass player. And so I remember what I used to do was, now imagine this, I'm in college, right? And so I decided I was going to set my alarm for six o'clock every morning. 
That's not like a normal college thing. Like some of you adults are like, we don't even like doing that for ourselves, right? But I started to set my alarm at 6 o'clock every morning. That was really funny because my roommate at the time was my friend Jim, this guy who I just love, brilliant guy. And Jim was living the classic college lifestyle where his day ended at 6 in the morning and his day began at about 2 in the afternoon. So Jim, when he planned all of his classes, he would always take classes that started at 3 o'clock or later because literally in Jim's world, he would wake up at 3 o'clock and go to class and everything and work and then he'd stay up. And so it was really funny because when I decided I wanted to practice the bass, right, my alarm to wake me up was also Jim's alarm that it was time to go to bed. You know, and so sure enough, the alarm would go off at six o'clock and I'd hit it, I'd get up and I'd give Jim a high five, like we kind of, you know, tag team. And it was funny, he'd go climb into bed and I'd put my bass, plug it into the amp, I'd put the headphones on and I'd start practicing six o'clock in the morning as a college student, right? And it was amazing. And I did that for years. And then it was amazing once I graduated college, when you think about the idea of being purposeful, at the very end of college, I came to know Jesus. And so... I left college and I started playing music as a career. And so instantly I went on to my friend James's schedule, Jim, because I was a musician. So my day started at like three o'clock and I was playing gigs all night long. But sure enough, I would wake up at eight o'clock in the morning and I'd read my Bible because my purpose and the intention of my life, I just I really want to learn what's in the Bible. So I'd wake up at eight o'clock and I'd read and I'd journal I do that. I still do that to this day. I wish I could wake up at 8 o'clock. I got three kids. So you know if you wake up at 8 o'clock and you have three kids, it means you don't read your Bible. That's what happens. Your parents know this, right? You got to go earlier, earlier. Hate to be the bearer of bad news. But the idea of living with intentionality, and whether you're conscious of it or not, whether you've decided it or not, every single person lives intentionally. Now, some of you might say, well, you know, Sofusco, you know, I hear you say that, but really, I don't. I don't have intentional plan for my life. I don't have a focus. I'm here to tell you, then you are being intentionally unintentional about your life, which is still equally intentional. To decide that you don't have a plan or a focus for your life is still a decision of a plan or focus for your life. And every single human being lives intentionally. And we can't talk about this art of living, the series that we're doing, hashtag art of living. We can't talk about it without talking about the purpose and focus of your life. And I'm here to tell you, you cannot talk about in this series, we're talking about the idea of loving ourselves, right? This is where we are in this series. It's based on the greatest commandment that we love God, we live upward, and then we live inward, we love our neighbors as we love ourselves, and then we live outwards. So we live upwards, inwards, and outwards. And we're in that middle section of this series where we're focusing on what does it mean to love ourselves? And how do we love ourselves in the way that God has prescribed? You can't talk about loving yourselves if you don't talk about intentionality and the fact that everybody lives with purposes and focuses and choices for their life. And so some of you might say, because someone said to me, so Pastor Daniel, you're talking about loving ourselves, but doesn't... Paul's letter to Timothy say that in the last days, people would be lovers of themselves. It was a great like moment. Ooh, someone's reading their Bibles. Praise God. See, listen, the problem with the day and age that we live in is the focus is on, I want to love myself, but we want to try and understand how to love ourselves without first loving God. See, Jesus doesn't say, don't love yourself. He says, love God. And then as you love God, you will see yourself properly, and then you will love other people the way that you understand yourself. So when you're a lover of self without a lover of God, you have a major problem. 
because you become your own little God. That's our culture's problem. Everybody's their own little God, and they want everyone to worship them, and they're disconcerted by the fact that everybody doesn't worship them. And the reason they're disconcerted is because everyone worships themselves. But for the Christian, we live upwardly, and we love God, and we're loved by God, and then we see ourselves in a truly deep and healthy way, and then we live out of the overflow of God's love for us. So you can't talk about loving yourself without talking about the idea of intentionality. Now, Crystal Payne described living with intention this way, and I think it's unbelievable. It says, living with intention means saying no to the things that aren't important to us so that we can say yes to what matters most. Wow. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Living with intentionality says, I'm going to say no to things that don't matter so that I have the bandwidth and the ability to say yes to the things that do matter. It's a great definition. Richie Norton said it this way, intentional living is the art of making our own choices before other choices make us. That's pretty powerful too, isn't it? You have to ask yourself right now, are you making choices and living intentionally or are you allowing other choices to make you? And the difference is, is either way it's your life, but are you intentionally making decisions or are you simply reacting to all the choices that are making you? And as a child of God, as a follower of Jesus, we want to be intentionally making choices. So someone will be saying, okay, so Fusco, is what you're telling me right now that the key to life is being intentional? Now I'm going to say the answer is no. The Bible wants to teach us something deeper than just this need that we have that we live out. And so in some ways today is like a one-point sermon, which is so fun for me. Because I want you to take away something very, very profound, but it's almost like, really, that's it? The Bible teaches us a more excellent way from just having purpose. You and I need to learn how to satisfy our need for intentionality with simplicity. Everyone's like, what? (laughs) Satisfy your need for intentionality with simplicity. See, the Bible teaches us that we have to find a very personal and biblical simplicity in our lives. And for most of us, if I were to ask you to define your life, simplicity would be the last thing that we'd say. Do you look at your life and say, my life is simple? No way, right? Simplicity is a lost art in our day and age. Leonardo da Vinci, the great Italian artist, said it this way, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. (laughs) That's kind of awesome, right? That simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And when you speak as an American and you think about America and simplicity, someone's mind is bound to run to someone like Henry David Thoreau, who wrote many books, but the most famous Walden, where he kind of left everything and he lived by 
Walden Pond and he wrote about his experience. He said it this way, simplicity, simplicity, simplicity. I say, let your affairs be as two or three and not a hundred or a thousand. Instead of a million, count half a dozen and keep your accounts on your thumbnail. I realize that in even talking about simplicity, I'm running right up against our culture. I mean, we live in a day and age of task lists and reminders and calendars of all sorts. People used to call them laundry lists. And so much of our lives are designed around trying to navigate not a few things, but an infinite number of things. And for all of us, we're like, oh, simplicity, uh, how? Everybody know who Albert Einstein is? He said it this way. Everything should be made as simple as possible, but not simpler. From the, one of the most intelligent men who ever lived. Everything should be made as simple as possible, but not simpler. And it's in light of that, I want to give you one thing that if you, by the Holy Spirit, because of the finished work of Jesus, if you grab hold of this, this is as simple as it can be made for us about what it means to live. But I promise you, it won't be simplistic. It's deep, but it's simple. In order to do that, I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 33 and 34. Matthew chapter 6. So the gospel of Matthew is the very first book of the New Testament. So about two-thirds of the way in your Bible, you get between Genesis and the prophet Malachi, and then you start the New Testament, Matthew's gospel. Matthew chapter 6, or for those of you who have a smartphone or a tablet or some other smart device that they've invented I don't know about, type in Matthew chapter 6. We're simply going to be looking at verses 33 and 34. Just two verses, but a wealth, an inexhaustible spring of teaching for us. Look at what it says. Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now I'm going to read that again, because when you only have two verses there, you can read it and yawn and move on. I'm going to read it again. This is important here. Look what it says. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So when I tell you that we need to satisfy our need for intentionality through simplicity, I tell you I have a one-point sermon. I'm just going to give it to you right here. The only thing I want you to take away from today, that you and I need to prioritize God's kingdom. This is biblical simplicity in three words. Prioritize God's kingdom. This is what the art of living is all about for a follower of Jesus, for anybody. 
that we need to prioritize God's kingdom. Look what it says, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Are you prioritizing God's kingdom? See, this is the thing that I want you to set as your reminder to go off three, five, ten times a day. I want you to write it on all your stuff. When you get to the office, it should say, prioritize God's kingdom. Biblical reality in three words. Now, I realize when I say prioritize God's kingdom, that I immediately run into a cultural landmine. And the reason is, is because in 21st century America, we really don't like kings and kingdoms, do we? I mean, think about it. Our government that we have here in America is what you would call a representative democracy. Why? Because you don't want to give all the power to one person, right? So you have a separation of powers so that all of the cards are not held by one person. And we like that. Why? Because then one person's knuckleheaded decisions doesn't ruin everything. So we have the separation of powers, right? Of course, you have the problem with if all three of the departments that have powers are knuckleheads, then all bets are off. But that's a whole other discussion for another day. But we love our form of government because you have the checks and balances of the separation of powers to help offset whatever the issues are. But you have to realize that when it comes to God, God doesn't need a separation of powers because God isn't a knucklehead. There's ever an understatement in church. Not only is God not a knucklehead, he's perfectly loving and he's absolutely just and he's benevolent and he's not self-centered, but he's other-centered so much so that he would send his own son to die for our sins. And so when you have a benevolent, loving, all-knowing God, you give that God all the cards and he doesn't need a council or people to check and balance him because all wisdom is God's wisdom and God has the ultimate grasp on everything. So even though when you say prioritize God's kingdom, like, well, I don't really like kingdoms. And every king that I've ever read about has been not the nicest person, has abused their power and, and does whatever they want at the expense of other people. No, see, the Lord is not like the fallen kings that we have a tendency to reference when we think of the idea of a kingdom. But for you and I, when we talk about kingdom, you realize that God has a kingdom, but if I don't encourage you, and if Jesus doesn't say that we should prioritize God's kingdom, he realizes that we will prioritize our own kingdom. See, your life is yours. And your life being yours means that you are a king or the queen of your own life. And if king was not a gender-leaning word, each person has complete and total responsibility for their own life. And what happens is, is that if you do not choose to live in biblical simplicity by prioritizing God's kingdom, then you will definitely prioritize your own kingdom. And that is where we miss the art of living. See, you don't even have a separation of powers. Now, maybe those of you who are students or you live in your parents' house, you have a little bit of separation of powers because you have your own life, but really your parents tell you what time to go to bed and they tell you what you're going to eat and all that stuff. But by the time you become your own, 
you pay your own way and you do your own things, then you are the de facto leader of your own life. And the problem for people, and it's definitely the problem in the culture that we live in, is that if we do not prioritize the reign and kingdom of God, we will prioritize the reign and kingdom of name your name. There is a competing kingdom for God's kingdom, and that is the kingdom of self. And the kingdom of self in your life and in my life and in everybody's life you know is highly fortified. You have a kingdom if you do not abandon your kingdom to become part of God's kingdom. And that's why Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You and I have to learn because of the finished work of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to place the reign of God before our own reign for our own lives. And you have to ask yourself, how are you doing with that? I had someone at their first service said, Pastor Daniel, thank you for raiding my kingdom this morning. And I said, hey, I'm just passing along the blessing that God gave me these last couple of weeks as I've studied. See, let me give you a simple example of how our own personal kingdom works. Now, each one of us, right, we have music preferences. Somebody like you hear Billy Ray Cyrus, you're like, oh, yeah, you hear Miley Cyrus, you're like, mm, maybe not, <laughs> right? <laughs> you hear the new Adele single, you're like, yeah, someone's like, look, it's really just for me, it's about Frank Sinatra. Right? Everyone has their own thing that they like, right? Now you put everybody together in church, and then what you end up getting is you end up getting thousands of music preferences for church. And then as a church family, we want to find out how everyone's doing, so we do a survey, right? And so we say, hey, if you have any comments, and then we get all these comments, and 85% of the comments are about the music. Right? The worship service is too loud. It's not loud enough. The songs are too contemporary. They're not contemporary enough. You have earplugs. That's the problem. Why won't you turn it up? Because I can't hear so good. And then those of us who are in leadership are like, oh, Lord. Church was your idea, Lord. How are we supposed to make everybody happy? We can't make everybody happy. But you know what it is? People who love Jesus are like, I don't like the volume of the music, and you should change it because I don't like it. My kingdom says, if I'm the king of the kingdom, then the sound is going to be this sound, and it's going to be this volume, and I'm going to like it. And you need to change it because that's what I like. And what's amazing is, is like as a church family, we're like, I'm like, because I actually want everyone to be happy at Crossroads. I want everyone to have their needs met. And I realize, I'm like, this is absolutely impossible to do. Because who likes the songs? Who wants hymns? Who wants Southern Gospel? Who wants this? I really like it when this guy's the worship leader. I really don't like it when this thing happens. And, and you just realize that everybody loved Jesus, but they have a, if I'm the king of the castle, this is the soundtrack and the volume. Jesus is There's always a reason, a direction that drives the things that you do. You make choices because they help you achieve your goals. Well, today, Pastor Daniel shared that if you follow God, you should prioritize His kingdom. That the things He emphasizes and values should be important to you as well. 
But as you heard, this is difficult to do because it means setting aside what you think is best, your own kingdom, and choosing God's way. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy, and the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, you can, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances of your life. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will explain more about the realities of prioritizing God's kingdom. You'll learn that when you focus on His kingdom, your preferences don't take precedence over everything like they usually do. When the kingdom of self rules your life and your focus is on getting what you want, relationships are fractured. Pastor Daniel will share that the solution lies in putting God's priorities first. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called The Art of Living. Until then, may God bless.